0: number, but significant in terms of the impact they make. And this morning I was through in Destiny Church Glasgow. They've just moved again. They, they've made a very courageous step. They've got a, a building on the south side of the city, and that's where they run their Sunday evening meetings. But in the mornings they've moved their services into the city centre, which is a very courageous step. It's courageous because it's a huge financial outlay, but it's also totally getting them out of their comfort zones, because instead of having a building all nicely set up every week, they're having to set up and take down and do all that it's, it's brilliant brave people but as a result they're connecting with a whole load of new people that they hadn't previously connected with i guess life's about <laughs> taking steps out of our comfort zone sometimes isn't it graham probably updated you this uh, at our services this morning if you weren't here this morning just to update you building that we're offering on just now over in gorgie fantastic building if you're new to the church we're offering in a building in gorgie it is a fantastic building the development that's happened in the last week is very significant. We, as you know, put an offer to them, first a verbal offer, which was agreed, then we made that offer in writing, and they had to take that to their boards, uh, the Carlton Bingo Board. They're, they've taken that offer, and they have looked at it as a board, and they've accepted the offer as a board, which is fantastic, really fantastic. Now, the next stage from here is the scary bits where the lawyers get chatting and uh, they hear with and all that and things and I, I don't know what they say but they, they, they manage to say it in such a way that no one else can understand it, that's why we need lawyers so they, they, do, their, oh, can you? That, they, they do their legal thing and at the end of it uh, they agree uh, this kind of written agreement about the purchase now after that we're going to lodge planning permission so the legal bit plus the planning permission at the end of which we've got to hand over some money, alright that process is probably going to be between four and five months. Uh, so that's how long we've got to fundraise. It's very exciting. Very exciting. And, and it's all a green light. It's all moving forwards. Looks like it's happening, folks. Very exciting. A bit nerve-wracking as well, but we believe God. Uh, so it is a big step for us as a congregation. If you're a multiple millionaire, please help us. Uh, if you're not, please help us. Again, I've mentioned this a few times before. As we're a growing congregation... Uh, I don't know what the attendance figures are this week last Sunday through the three services we had 415 individuals two months ago we had 300 on average through the day so in the last two months we've grown by about 100 people isn't that awesome? thank you God but the perception in a growing church that oh, they're, they're doing fine financially and everything so it, it really is, is just a perception please don't uh, see that you're just you, your contribution doesn't count it completely does it really, really does. Not only are we growing, but we're also growing our staff. We're taking more steps. Indeed, as we step out to buy this building, it is completely a step of faith. It's not because we've got that much money sitting in the bank account. Far from it. But it is a step of faith. And, you know, we're not going to wait for us to have the money before we take steps. Whether it be with staff, whether it be with buildings, whatever it is. And uh, you know, Peter didn't wait till he knew it was all going to work out before he got out of the water and put his foot on that out of the boat and put his foot on that water. The miracle happens as he took the step. So folks, be part of the miracle. The way God raises funds is through his people. The way God provides is through his people. First he provides to you, and then through the people we provide. And that's not just in our tithes and offerings, which helps make church happen and staff and all the things that happen on a day by day basis. But over and above that, next week in all the services, I'm going to be talking in detail about how we can raise the funds we need for the next for this next step, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be a big step, and it's going to cost us. And we never assumed it was going to be free. We never assumed it was going to be handed to us in a plate. It will cost us, and it will mean sacrifice from us all. Uh, but what I do know is this: number one, God is in this. Number two, from two locations we can impact a city, and if from one location we've impacted hundreds from two locations I believe we truly we can impact thousands. But it's gonna come at a cost and it's it's gonna take all of us getting behind this. Now I guess I'm speaking to members here folks. If you're visiting, don't be freaked out. Don't <laughs> go back to that church. Or maybe it does attract you in a strange kind of sadistic kind of way. <laughs> yeah, I'll go back there. Well why not? Throw your all in with us. Come on, we're on a great journey. And you know what? As we give, it'll come back to us. That's what the Bible says. It's not why we give, but it's a result of us giving. And you know what's more exciting than any of that? We get to bless a city. That doesn't happen every day, does it? But that's exciting. But why not? Let's just go for it. So, and the other thing, I don't know if Graham mentioned this this morning. You know, before you buy a house, it's nice to see it. Yeah? yeah. It's not too much to expect, really. Well, I figured it'd be nice for us all to see the building. Who would like to do that? Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to organize next Sunday afternoon to get a mass viewing all right? Now whether that's going to happen or not, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'm just priming you for it now so that you don't put your oven and slow cooker with a big lamb, right? Just prepare for possibly three o'clock next Sunday afternoon a mass viewing up at the bu- building, okay from all the services just getting there. So, uh, not confirms, we've asked to have that, I think it would be really good for us all to have that, especially next Sunday if we're going to be talking about how we're going to finance it, it'd be nice for you to see it, not just from the outside but from the inside and, and really get a feel for it okay so watch this space we'll let you know if we we send out a weekly email if you're not part of that weekly email sign up at the visitor's desk or phone the office through the week we'll include you on it and we'll let people know about the mass viewing through the weekly email but also through the morning services and through cell groups and so on so you'll be in the loop it'd be good for us to see the inside of the building and have a tour yeah okay uh, um, uh, today we're starting a series in the sunday evenings we're going through daniel up until a few weeks ago As of tonight, we're starting a series on the book of Proverbs. I'm particularly excited about this series. And I I really feel in my heart as we're going to look at this phenomenal book in the Bible, the book of Proverbs, we're just going to get so much wisdom from it. And it's going to sharpen us. And I tell you what, there's so many incredible themes and topics in Proverbs. Scary. I mean, it talks about corruption, injustice, finance, relationships, adultery, how to live with your neighbors, how to deal with legal dealing, I mean, how to trust in God, principles for success in life, tons of stuff. So I know we're going to be in for a roller coaster, exciting ride in Sunday evenings. And I, I'm really convinced as we're going through this book of Proverbs, I'm really convinced the church is going to grow in a, in a considerable way, especially in Sunday evenings. You know, as, as we're looking at buying a building on the other side of town in Gorgie, the plan initially will be to move our two morning services and make it to one service in Gorge, because it can take 900 people there and then still run these evening services here, okay? But my faith and conviction before God is that within a few years, we'll be running a morning service in Gorge followed by a morning service here and an evening service in Gorgie, followed by an evening service here. Leith is very much our agenda. Even leading up to that step, it might well be that we have to run double evening service to fit everyone in. I, I, I am in absolute faith in my heart for God that we're going to be growing in all our services. So, uh, very excited, and I'm excited personally, and I'm sure you are too, personally, in growing to study this fantastic book. Proverbs is all about wisdom. Almost on cue. I asked Andrew McGreen earlier, who's our head steward here, he said is there anything you want Peter I was up in the office getting ready and I said oh I'd love one of those smoothies Andy so he went and got me a smoothie smoothies are great it's full of fruit apparently it's great and you can portion of fruit except you don't have to chew the stuff you know sometimes that puts you off the portion of fruit thing so if you can drink it fantastic portion of fruit down it goes you know you meant to shake a smoothie right so Andy had given me a smoothie and I thought fantastic smoothie it was working away I did this and he'd taken the lid off it, right? So, I don't know if you, get, no, you can't see it. I'm stained all over here. And it, it literally went like this. I gave it a, th- a hearty shake. And the smoothie went all over my white office, right? On, literally all over, the, all over my seat, all over my T-shirt and everything. So, Owen walks into the room. And I'm naked by this point, trying to, using my T-shirt to try and rub up the mess. Uh, which excited Owen to no end, as you can imagine. So I thought, okay, we're starting on wisdom, and there's me. There's there's a proverb about that somewhere. Okay, Proverbs chapter 1 and verses 1 to 6. This is going to be a bit of an introduction to Proverbs, and actually an introduction to the author of Proverbs, Solomon. Proverbs chapter 1 and verses 1 to 6. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. Doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. It's interesting that one of the hallmarks, according to the Bible, of being wise is that you will be an individual who seeks to gain more wisdom. Wisdom isn't an end in itself. It's a desire to grow wiser. If you think, I know everything there is to know, you're called a fool. A wise person is someone who says, you know what? I know certain stuff, and thank you for that, God. But God, I'm hungry to learn. I want to grow. I want to become. I don't want to put a ceiling on who, who I've, who, where I've reached in life. I want to develop. I want to grow. I want to Developing you, God, with true wisdom. So, one of the hallmarks of wisdom is that you gain more wisdom. And this is what I see in this man, Solomon. He was a man, this, this writer of the book of Proverbs, the, the son of a, a great king called David. And David was one of the most famous kings that Israel ever had. He had several sons, but Solomon was the one that David had selected who would take over the reins of the kingdom. Solomon became king. It wasn't amidst controversy, it wasn't free from controversy, but he went on to become a great king, a wise ruler, a ruler who wasn't just content with the wisdom that he had to rule, but a ruler who was before God, humble and asking God for more wisdom by which he could rule even more effectively. As we go through this series and probably as I said, but convinced it will not only bring growth in our own lives, but it will bring growth in our church. So Solomon's birth, let's look at Solomon. This is what we're going to be focusing on tonight. Solomon was born amidst controversy. His dad, David, had been a great king, but there was one black mark on his record, and she was called Bathsheba. One night, he was up on his rooftop, and he looked out and there in a bath, and I don't know, I don't know if that's anything to do with her name, Bathsheba. No way. Wow, well, I hadn't seen that before. Incredible. So anyway, he, he was up on his rooftop, and there was this chick in a bath, naked, as you do it, as when you're in a bath. And they didn't have bubbles in those days. <laughs> so so here's David's this so-called man of God, and he goes, whoa, and he just, he went with it. Instead of fighting it, he went with it, right? He committed adultery <clears> with her. He blew it big time. I remember, I, I preached this a wee while back. Anyone remember that? <laughs> Who could forget, right? We, we preached on this a wee while back, and I remember when I I mentioned to Angie about this Angie this is this is what I'm preaching on Angie commented and pointed out it's not going to be too much of an issue for me because if I went on my rooftop and looked out I live in the back garden of my mother-in-law so the temptation wouldn't be just the same really I love her to bits but it it really wouldn't be so much of a temptation Uh, so that's the end of tonight's sermon I hope you've enjoyed it and got lots out of it praise the Lord eh Here's David. He runs off with this lassie who's living next door. Uh, He has a one-night fling with her. She gets pregnant. Word comes to David that she's pregnant. And he thinks, right, what will I do? I know I'll kill the husbands. Ding. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) So he instigates in a very devious way the murder of her husbands. And he runs off and marries this lady Bathsheba. I mean, you can understand that this wasn't David's high point in life. This was this was a major, major mistake. Big mistake. God did him in for it. God sent Nathan the prophet along. God reprimanded him. I said that you're out of line. David's, it's like he'd been in this stupid, lustful dream, and it kind of woke out of the dream and thought, what on earth have I done? He repented. If you read Psalm 51... You read David's repentance, and David's just saying, God, I've been a filthy fool, forgive me. And he put his life right with God. You know what? We serve a very merciful God. Do you know that? We serve an incredibly merciful God. My guess is you haven't murdered someone. My guess is you might not have committed adultery. But the good news is even if you have, it's no excuse for doing that stuff. But even if you have, we serve a God whose grace is bigger than the biggest sin you can commit that's just phenomenal it doesn't seem right in one sense but that's God and that's incredible that's why I I know this message of God's love is totally the answer Edinburgh needs you know I don't know if you saw on location, location, location but uh, Edinburgh was voted the best place to live isn't that great and it's good in one sense but it's a filthy corrupt place as well and there's so much desperate need in this city But I want to tell you that our gospel, our good news about Jesus, can reach the worst sinner. And you might have stuff hidden in your life that you want no one else to know about. I've got good news for you. I've got bad news for you. God knows about it. But the good news is he's willing to forgive you if you repent. Deal with it before him. Stop making excuses for it. And deal with it. Bring it out in the open and ask his forgiveness. And that's what David did. God forgave him. As a result of his adulterous affair with Sheba having a child, that child died just after birth. You see, folks, even though God's forgiveness comes, there are sometimes consequences to actions. He had married Bathsheba, and they had a second child. And his name was Solomon. So this Solomon who wrote Proverbs was born from what was originally an adulterous affair. That's incredible that he went on to be the next king, the author of Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs. Incredible. And this is the good news, folks that God can take the biggest messes that you and I make of life and He can completely turn them around. Unrecognizable. It's mind blowing. Dr. Graham Bell had a a deaf sister. In his attempts as an inventor to try and help his sister, he created this thing which we now call a telephone. That in crisis came the best thing. Thank God for a telephone. And then there was Isaac Newton and while the bubonic plague hit his campus where he was an educator, he escaped and off from the hillside as he looks down into the valley where the bubonic plague was killing people, it was there as he was sitting pondering the, the doom of his campus that the apple dropped from the tree and the great ideas came into his minds for all Newton's theories. From incredible crisis and the worst situations ever, sometimes the greatest things come. And I, I believe when you involve God in your life, the the biggest messes can turn around incredibly. There was a lad I heard about in Uganda. This kid had been homeless. He was homeless and begging that the police there shot him. They, they, they just want rid of this filth from their streets. And they shot this kid who was, and his crime was he was begging. The kid was taken into hospital, not dead. He survived. And the doctors worked hard and rescued this kid's life, he made a resolve from a young age, I'm gonna become a doctor. And he did. You see, the worst situations can turn around unrecognizably. So Roddy, where's Roddy there? I'm sure Roddy won't mind you telling me 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 telling you, but Roddy's past has now empowered him to be a counsellor. And Roddy was grew up in a situation that was far from ideal. His dad was alcoholic it was a, an aggressive scenario that he grew up in. And as a result of this, he, he suffered a lot emotionally and mentally uh, and with the temptation of alcoholism. But God's helped him. He's come out on top. And now he's a professional counselor on staff in the church, helping people. That's what he's been doing all afternoon, meeting people one after the other, helping people face their challenges. That the worst things you go through, sometimes God can turn around. And here's Solomon, had a naff beginning, had a naff heritage had a controversial upbringing born from an adulterous affair and now solomon in the book of proverbs as we're going to look at in future weeks challenges adultery challenges loose living challenges immorality that god turns around for the good every situation if you yield your life to god i believe and i'm convinced that he can turn your life around you see you cannot go back and have a new start but from today you can start now and have, have a new ending to your life. That's the good news. God is able to turn things around. So Solomon was born. Then he became king. David's loved Solomon and he believed before God that he was to be the next king. Now he, he had other sons that he could have chosen from, but he believed before God that Solomon was to become king. And Solomon inherited kingships from his father David's. There's an event that took place early on in Solomon's life as a king, that was to be a defining moment for the rest of his rulership and this was his defining moment we read it in first kings chapter 3 and verses 5 to 15 this is a dream that solomon had at gibeon the lord appeared to solomon during the night in a dream god said ask for whatever you want me to give you solomon answers you have shown great kindness to your servant my father david's because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart apart from the okay anyway you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day now O lord my god you've made your servant king in place of my father david but i am only a little child and do not know how to carry out all my duties that's a humble statement for a king and he wasn't a little child he was a famous king But in his heart, before God, he was a little child. That's important. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people too numerous to count or to number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked this for yourself, and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and a discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equals among the king's then Solomon awoke and realized that it had been a dream. Here, Solomon in this moment before God. He had this defining moment, an encounter before God. And in that moment, out of his overflow of his heart, he didn't ask for the wealth and the riches and the fame and the death of his enemies, the sort of things that could have been his priorities. But instead, his priority was this. He humbled himself before God. That's a big key. That's a massive key. The Bible says humility is, comes before honor. And we've got to be people who are humble before God. Solomon humbled himself. And secondly, his agenda was this, God, I want to do my best being king. I want to look after your people properly. So God, I need some wisdom from you to look after these people properly. He took seriously his response. This wasn't just, hey, I'm king. This was, I'm king. And if I'm going to be king, I've got to do this best. I want to take this responsibility well before God. I want to be wise before God. I want God to give me discernment, and I want to do this in a way that's honoring him and beneficial to the people. I'm not here to play games. I want to do it right before you go. And God liked that. God saw servant as attitudes in this man. Jesus talking about servant-heartedness in Matthew 20, verse 26, he said this, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Solomon saw his opportunity as kingship, not as an opportunity for him to have great wealth and honor, which he did have. He saw it, first and foremost, as an opportunity to serve God and to properly serve God's people. And because God saw that servant hearted attitude, God's blessing came. I don't want to say, if your agenda in life is you, you've missed it big style. If you want everyone else to serve you, if you're living for you, you've missed it. Totally missed it. On the other hand, if you make your commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to serve God and serve other people, then I promise you, you're going to be a fulfilled individual. Jesus, when he was asked, Jesus, what's the greatest thing in life? Jesus' reply was this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You're not in it. It's God and others, not you. And most people have spent their lives on them. Get this, get this job, get that status, get that money, have this experience, enjoy this pleasure. Me, 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 me. And you know what? They're left wanting. But if you follow what Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul and mind, and love your neighbors, you love yourself. If you live an outward life, then I promise you you'll be a thoroughly satisfied and blessed individual. This was Solomon's agenda, and God gave him wisdom in First Kings four and verse 29. To 34, it describes the wisdom that God gave him. So God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding that as measureless as the sand of the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men in the east, greater than the wisdom of Egypt, far wiser than any other, including Ethan, the Ezraites, wiser than Heman. Now, Heman, <laughs> you may laugh, but Heman, as well as being a wise man, also pumped pumped iron. And Mattel made a whole range of figures for kids. But that that was based on this original guy, Hema. His wife was Shira, and they fought regularly against Skeletor. (laughs) And and then there was Calpol, Calcol, and Darda, and the sons of Mahal. I mean, these were, we all know them. Wise people, wise people. And Solomon was wiser than them. His fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He described plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also taught about animals and birds, reptiles, and fish. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Sent by all the kings of the world's who had heard of his wisdom this guy became incredibly famous so famous solomon was just overflowing with wisdom says that he spoke three thousand proverbs now in the book of proverbs in your bible there are 952 proverbs recorded there so we have recorded in our bibles one third of the proverbs that solomon spoke now you might think well that's not that impressive okay this is your homework then arrogant sod Go and write two proverbs this week. I dare you. They'll be rubbish, right? Nice things. No, you just won't do it. He who shaketh a smoothie. Just, (laughs) you're going to fall on your face, man. You try it. You go try and write two decent proverbs, and I'll get you sent to you next week and read them out. Okay, guru, let's see how smart you are then. Right? It is hard to write a proverb, okay? I've written 300 of them. They're so hard to write, man. (laughs) The proverbs of Pete so hard to write. So this guy, wise, wow. He, he wrote songs. Well, he was the Darlene Sheck of his day. He wrote 1,005 songs. Now, we've only got one of them recorded in their Bible. It's a very long one called the Song of Solomon. That was one of his songs, but he wrote 1,005 of them. Fantastic. Solomon was a scholarly person. Rulers and kings from all across the known world came to hear his wisdom and bring them their tribute It's interesting, if you notice his wisdom as well was based on God's creation. See, I want to tell you that wisdom doesn't originate with human beings. Wisdom originates with God. As we go into the book of Proverbs, you're going to find the the book of Proverbs itself talks about how with wisdom God created the planet. And he created the plant life and mankind and all this. It was wisdom of God. It was in God's wisdom that these things were created. Solomon's wisdom was not original wisdom. It came from God. Solomon's wisdom was observance. God gave him insight as he observed what God had already done. God is wise. And Solomon's wisdom described in detail some of the great things that, that God had created. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, talking about God's creation, it says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. The Bible says in, in the stuff that God has made, it says here that his eternal power, God's invisible qualities and his divine nature can be seen in what God has made. Packaged up. It's like you've got to go digging for it. And then you start thinking, wow, this world is so full of richness and qualities the most frustrating thing for me is that people look at this world and assume it was an accident I, I can't even begin to fathom how that is anywhere near wisdom I trained in architecture I appreciate nice buildings I walk around the city and I look at buildings and I think great fantastic I don't even for one moment assume it just they happens I don't for one moment it, it would be foolishness to say here's something that's been clearly designed it must have just happened. Now that's when it comes to human beings' creations. And to be honest, they are great. But at best, they're nowhere near even the worst of God's creation. You look at the tiniest of God's creation. A daffodil or Daniel or... <laughs> what else begins with D? Dogs. Denmark. You know, look, 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 look all over. The world. All these things that God has made. Fantastic. Not once do you assume... That hey, that just happened to be. There was a designer at work here. Designer. There was a designer at work here, and in my, as my son would call him, he's called Dodd. <laughs> That's what my little boy calls God. Dodd. He used to call him Dog. So we're on we're on the right track here. So Dog, Dodd, God. The revelation is unfolding for him. It's great. God created everything, and how can we look at the world and think, wow? There's a building designed by Robert Adam and there's, you know, there's the Scottish Parliament designed by Enrique Morales, but he is something more phenomenal than anything like man has made. Look at the daffodils and the trees and the, the mountains and the lakes and the detail, but the big picture and everything. And why wasn't that an accident? This folly, if I ever heard it, seriously. It's as if man's creations are somehow, they have to be designed, but this is just random what this is the most beautiful most incredible design ever look how you're made your eyeballs and your little brains all that stuff incredible some of you think have we got brains yeah you've got brains god so blessed you you've got a brain there's tons of stuff going on in your life there's tons of things that god has created you're incredible turn to your neighbor and say you look fantastic Come on. Some of you guys were thinking, I'm so glad I came tonight. I knew I sat beside the right person. Who was that? God has made you so incredibly. I, I, I just think that we've got to be so appreciative of God's creation. And this is what Solomon was. He just, he absorbed himself in the world that God had made. And from that, he started talking about Wisdom. Wisdom about interpersonal relationship, wisdom about how things operate, wisdom about justice, wisdom about relationship building, wisdom about money-making, wisdom about principles of success for life, wisdom about so many things, so many multifaceted bits of wisdom, just simply by looking at God, what God you've done, and observing life from God's perspective. Fantastic. Richard Dawkins said this. We have seen that living things are too improbable and too beautifully designed to have come into existence by chance. Thanks, Dawkins. God has designed everything incredibly. From the smallest detail, you look you pick a little flower and you look at the detail there. And that is incredible. Look at it in the magnifying glass. There's detail there that you can't even see. There's integral workings in the midst of that little thing that causes it to function and operate and then you zoom out and look at the landscape and look at the mountains and look at the trees and look at the sky and look at the sunset and the big picture is incredible too that's just phenomenal so we serve a God who's interested in the detail and in the big picture and that also tells me he's interested in the detail of your life as well as the big things He's also interested in the little thing. God Almighty created everything. The Bible says the heavens can't even contain him. And they're pretty big. He knows you. He knows how many hairs are in your head. That's phenomenal. We see how God has set everything in perfect balance. We see a world where we breathe out carbon dioxide. And a world where trees breathe in carbon dioxide. And the trees breathe out Oxygen. Which we breathe in. And we see, God, this is you. You've done this. You have done this. God created all things, I believe, in a very short space of time. And they all work together. And that's how He did it. And I I, I believe that God has just made a, a world where everything's in perfect harmony, where we're the perfect distance from the sun not to burn up, and the perfect distance from the sun not to freeze. A little bit closer would have been good. But it's just fine as it is. (laughs) He's created a world where there are seasons. He's created a world in which there is joy and excitement. That wouldn't have happened by random selection. Orgasm, that was a good idea. Listen, it didn't have to be there. It didn't have to be there. Yet God has so made things that the most important part of life, creating new life, he adds, come on, let's just put something in there to make it fun praise the Lord <laughs> seriously that didn't have to evolve it didn't, ha- didn't have to be there for, su- for survival but God put it there it's interesting when they were looking into matter matter now I'm not a scientist I'm just telling you what things I've heard but matter apparently is colourless smellless and tasteless so matter it's fundamental it is colorless tasteless and smellless but god's added all these colors tastes and smells in there why because he's a creative god because he's a god of pleasure he's a god who wants to enrich life he's a god of abundance when i look at this world i don't see a god of scarcity i see a god who has just been a god of great abundance and he's put like one blade of grass it's gazillions of blades of grass all over the joint right and trees and hairdos you know abundance god's just a god of abundance he's a big god he's a resourceful god so i don't know what your impression or your theology about life is or about how we should be living but i think we ought to base it on god rather than our opinions of god and let's let's just get back to who god is jesus said in john ten ten that the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but jesus said i've come that you may have life in abundance He hasn't just come to give you life in little drips and drops. He has come to give you an abundant life. That doesn't mean necessarily the easiest of lives, full of challenges. But an abundant life, nevertheless. A life where you are blessed in the way that God blesses. That's a more than enough way. God's not a God of scarceness. God is a God of provision, of blessing, of great love, and a God of generosity. And we ought to be the same. Live big lives. Think big thoughts live an abundant life and let our abundance overflow to bring abundance into our city into our families into our communities and therefore god can be glorified so solomon took time to look in detail at some of the great things that that god had done and as a result of solomon's wisdom success came solomon not only was successful in writing these proverbs and became famous and people came to hear his wisdom but also he became incredibly prosperous and successful and you know what If you do things God's way, if you operate by God's wisdom, you will become successful. It's true. It says in 1 Kings 4 and verse 20 to 28, The people of Judah and Israel were were as numerous as the sand of the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines, as far as the borders of Egypt. These countries brought tribute and were Solomon's subjects all his life. This means that Solomon not only ruled over Israel, but he also expanded the borders, and, and his rule was over a large chunk of what was the known world in that day. Solomon was a famous, wealthy, successful, prosperous king. Solomon's daily provisions were 30 cores of fine flour. Now, I did a wee calculation. That's 6,600 liters of flour. Wow. A liter, you know, jug of... A carton of milk, yeah. That's a lot of flour, right? This is his daily rations. He wasn't a glutton, right? He had tons of people he had to look after. And then it's a sixty cores of meal, and that was thirteen thousand two hundred liters. Ten head of stall-fed cattle. That's kind of organic cattle. Uh, Twenty pasture-fed cattle. Cool. A hundred sheep and goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roebucks, and choice fowl. I mean, this is like the ultimate kind of meat feast. You know, like, Weatherspoons, what do you call it? The What's the one you get all the meat in it? Mixed grill. This was the ultimate mixed grill. Solomon did this way before Weatherspoons. A bit of deer there, a few roebucks, gazelles, everything. For he ruled over all the kingdoms from the river, from Tish tish, 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 to Gaza and had peace on all sides. During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel from Dan to Bathsheba lived in safety. Listen to this. Each man under his own vine and fig tree. They weren't hiding in castles behind brick walls, folks. They were out in the fields. This was a safe place. There wasn't battles. Solomon's rule brought peace. And I tell you, that's just a little glimpse of what God's kingdom can do in a city in a nation it brings peace it brings well-being it brings prosperity in every sense and it says that uh, Solomon had 4,000 stalls of chariot horses and 12,000 horses Uh, the district officers each month supplied provisions for King Solomon and all who came to the king's table they saw to it that nothing was lacking so they brought to the, the proper place their quotas of barley and straw and For the chariot horses and and the other horses. It was estimated that Solomon had 50,000 staff members in his government. 50,000 people. Over which he was uh, responsible for providing their food and their rations, hence all these daily rations. His dominion was highly expansive. People were prospering. It was a high point. It was a moment where God's blessing was on the nation. And you know, if you follow God's wisdom for life, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. I remember a guy I knew years back, not from the Edinburgh church. It's when I was through in Glasgow. This guy had literally been picked off the gutter. He was a nobody. He was uneducated. He was a ruffian, into fight. His life was uh, an absolute crazy life. God got hold of his life. He got a grip, started reading the Bible, started living right, got married, things started going well, started prospering, got education. Got a well-paid job, stop coming to church. You've got God. Now he's nowhere. So you've got to watch. Success has got warnings with it. But success, if you if you are living for God, if you're applying God's principles in life, you will prosper. You will succeed. Don't be narrow about this word, right? So so many Christians have a problem. Don't mention the word prosperity in church. Well, God mentions it in the Bible. I'm really sorry. He does. It's throughout the Bible, New Testament and Old Testament. Success and prosperity is there, okay? It's just what you're doing is you're applying the world's definition of success, and you're saying, oh, you can't talk about that in church. Yeah, okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a far greater definition of success than just the narrow view the world has of it. I'm talking about success in all areas, according to 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you'll prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God wants prosperity in every aspect of life in relationships, into personal friendships, in your workplace, in your finances, in the way you serve God, in the way you influence others. God wants success and prosperity all of your life. and that's what you're going to believe for. And if you walk God's ways, you will prosper. but there comes warnings with that. In that, in that moment of prosperity, remember God, don't forget who gave you the success in the first place. I believe as a church in the city, as we take steps of faith, as we are, I mean, we're taking big steps of faith. God has to be with us to do what we're doing. We couldn't do this otherwise. As we're taking these steps of faith, then do you know what? I believe we'll prosper because we're doing it his way. We're accountable. We're believing. We're living with integrity. We're taking (laughs) courageous steps, not because of our comfort, but for the city that God loves. I think God's going to bless that. And when he blesses us, let's not forget it was him. The Bible says in Psalm 1 and verse 1 to 3, blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. If you want your life to prosper, then do what the Bible says here in Psalm 1 live your life meditating day and night on god's principles god's ways do things god's way life works out great it's like a car you fix it according to the owner's handbook well i figure the owner must know how this thing works we'll do it according to that it will work fine it'll be well tuned it'll be efficient it will go places your life will be the same as you live it by god's handbook the bible base your life on his principles build your life i tell you it's a solid foundation You will not go wobbly even in the toughest of times if you base your life and have faith in God, the God of the Bible, the God who speaks truth, the God whose truth doesn't change in a world that's full of change. And this word of God will build you up on the inside and help you establish you and bring you success. Tragically, Solomon, having been so wise, having applied so many great principles, having risen to a point of great success, forgot God. Forgot God. He blew it. It's tragic and ironic. When things are going well, folks, that is a time not to rest in your laurels. It's a time to trust and honor God more than ever before. As a church, you know, the the most dangerous point for us as a church wasn't the point when we were 40 people and had just bought this building, right? We weren't that confident then. We were saying, huh, oh, we need to pay the mortgage, we need to do stuff in the city, we can't afford anything. Help God. That was the point where we were highly dependent on God. Now we've got three services, hundreds are coming every Sunday, yip to do. The easiest thing would be to say, Great, let's just enjoy this. That would have been our downfall. Thank God we're taking another step. That's our success. And when we, when we grow in that next building, don't let's get comfortable. Oh, look, thousands are coming now. Forget it. There's thousands more to reach. God forbid that, and apply it to your life. Never comes to the point where you think, "Ah, I've arrived now." Ah, uh-uh. ah, you've just put a ceiling on how God wants to take you there, but you've stopped here. Success is a moment where you've got to be thankful, be humble, and never, never settle back in your comfort and say, "Well, look what I've done." It's not about you. God took you to where you're at, but I worked hard. Well, who gave you the energy to work? Well, I've got great talent and ability. Well, who gave you that talent and ability? I put all my energies into it. Well, who gave you the breath to breathe in the first place? The Bible says your breath is in his hand. Honor God. Don't forget him. Live for him. And Solomon forgot God. It says in 1 Kings 11, verses 1 to 4. Now, Solomon (coughs) loved many foreign women, Uh, uh, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, uh, there was Moabite and Ammonite and Edomite and Sodomite and Hittite and Parasite women from all the nations concerning which the Lord has said to the sons of Israel you should not associate with them nor shall you, they associate with you for they will surely turn your hearts away after their gods Solomon held, held fast to these women in love oh I love them he had 700 wives I, I love them all Once a year? Princesses and three hundred porcupines sorry, concubines. <laughs> and his wife turns his heart away his heart away. When Solomon was old his wife turned his heart away after their gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. Pfft, tragedy. Right? I mean I don't know what the guy was doing, I thought wisdom right marry one woman okay that's wisdom 700 of them (laughs) married men know what i'm talking about here right this is for the single guys yeah okay fine bring on i'll cope no 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 guys married men who would agree 700 is a bit too much okay that's just not good you'll have to see roddy and have several counseling sessions i tell you really you will need serious injections of red bull guys if you were going to take that on Why did he even have to bother with the concubines? You know, I had 700 wives, right, okay. How do you even remember their names? You know, they must get really offended all the time. Oh, it's your anniversary. Oh, I'm really sorry, I forgot the anniversary again. (laughs) At least two anniversaries a day, you know. What one was it again? Just keep giving presents and hope for the best, you know. More flour, more flour, more flour. The Bible says do not be unequally yoked, okay. I don't think that was his only problem here, (laughs) But I think it was the biggie. If 700 of them, all, all the 700 wives loved Jesus, it would have been fine. They could have just had a big worship service together, made babies, and they'd have been fine. And they'd have served Jesus till the day they died and he had a big smile on his face. Great, wonderful. However, the 700 lassies didn't love Jesus. And that was the big problem. Guys, I don't care how good looking she is, I don't care how in love you are, she didn't love Jesus. So what are you playing at, man? Get a grip. Get a grip. Your spirit ain't leading you. Something else is. Get a grip. Stop being such a numpty. Marry a lassie. And lassies marry a guy who's going for Jesus. Right? Because you got to live with that decision. And I'm not saying they're not nice people. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be friends with them. What I'm saying is this. If you're going to commit your whole life to someone... You've also committed your whole life to Jesus Christ. And if they ain't done that, they're not going in the same direction as you. And not only will it damage you, it will damage them. Because one of you is going to have to give. So the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. If you're going to go with someone, go with someone who's going the same way as you in life. That's just sensible. All right? If you any religious connotations, that's just sensible. And especially if, you, if you've become a follower of Jesus, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? That you turn up at church on Sunday? Man, if that's all it is, then yeah, go off and marry whoever you want. Yeah, you can turn up at your church on Sunday, no problem. But it's not about that. Following Jesus isn't just have my Sundays. It's Lord, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my days. I, may, I make you Lord of my life. That's, I mean, it's pretty big. It's, it's in fact, it's the biggest of all. It's the massive commitment, and you know what? It's the best commitment. You don't live a life of regrets. You're, that's you. You're following Jesus, and he's the best you go to heaven forever it's awesome if if you are going to commit your life to someone like jesus christ then you better make sure the person you're going to commit your life to on a horizontal level is totally going the same way as you now i'm not saying you live some secluded life that you don't hang out with non-christians you really need to hang out with non-christians people are just people some of them love jesus some of them don't right god loves them all we should love them all we should hang out with them all i don't care what they're doing. The Bible says if they're, if they're sinning, that's great. Hang out with them. If they're sinning and they're meant to be a Christian, stop hanging out with them, the Bible says, because they ought to know better. But the Bible says be a friend of sinners. Jesus was. We should be the same. But if you're going to commit your life to someone for the rest of your life, then you need to commit yourself to someone who's also following Jesus. You're playing with fire otherwise. Get a grip. Stop your nonsense. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Whew. I said it, Lord. <laughs> Solomon blew it big style, man. He... He, he married all these lassies and they all loved different gods and before he knew it, out of his, his love for them, his emotions were all entangled with their gods and he was off worshiping other gods. Can't believe it. The guy who started out so great, so wise, I mean, you read the book of Proverbs we're going to, there's just so much wisdom in there that we can glean from, but he walked away from God. How could he do that? He walked away from God. And as a result, the consequences were huge. Civil war broke out after Solomon's death his, all of the Jewish race was divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom it all fell apart what had been a peaceful kingdom as we read about earlier they started becoming factions and people started rebelling against him and all this great dominion he had started becoming divided up and reduced it all fell apart the moment he forgot the reason for his success in the first place, God 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 gives us this sober warning and, and this is a warning I listen to and I encourage you to listen to it as well. Let him who thinks he stands take heed so that he does not fall. Let him who thinks he stands take heed so he doesn't fall. If you're thinking, "I've got it all together, everything's fine. I'm in a great place in life just now. Everything is going my way. Yay. Take heed. Don't flip into pride. Don't flip into "I'm a self-made man, arrogance. Stay humble. Keep walking with God proverbs 16 verse 18 it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall so avoid pride avoid haughtiness haughty is naughty don't do it it will take you down take, see, that's one of my proverbs haughty is naughty it'll take you down i tell you anytime you see someone saying and they thought well of themselves and they thought i'm doing great I tell you watch out stay clear of that guy they're going to go down it 's the way down George Adam Smith tells how he he climbs in in the Swiss, Swiss Alps. He was climbing with his mountain guide, the Wishhorn, which is four thousand five hundred meters high, and he got to the top of this mountain it was a It was a kind of it was a rugged day, the wind was howling it was cold, and they went up the sheltered side of the mountain, so they were at large protected from the winds so they were they were on the sheltered side of the mountain. When he got to the top of the mountain, out of his zeal and enthusiasm for getting to the top, he went, oh, "Hey!" And all of a sudden, the wind caught him Right? His guide had to grab him and throw him to the ground. And his guide said, "This on your knees, sir. You're only safe when you're on your knees. And uh, I don't care what success you attain to in life. Stay humble. Stay humble before your God. Not that you're you kind of this kind of woe is me kind of humility. I don't mean that. Humility doesn't always look like humility." Humility isn't about being quiet and introverted, okay? Humility isn't about keeping your opinions to yourself. Humility, Jesus was humble, yet he was outspoken. Jesus was humble, yet he was famous, right? Humility is about what's going on in your heart. No one else sees it. It's about what's going on between you and God, your attitude before him. That's it, that's it, it's the biggie. So folks, it's not good enough to start well. A good start's important, but you gotta finish well. And tragically, Solomon blew it. He got off to a great start. Started out with all this wisdom and we're going to read about this wisdom in the future weeks. But yeah, and he blew it. And here's the tip. Keep walking with God. Keep humble. Keep accountable. Who was there to say to Solomon, Solomon, get a grip, man. You're losing it here. Who was his good friends who had the courage and the wisdom to speak to him and say, Solomon, get a grip. You need friends like that. Have people around you who are going to keep you accountable, keep you safe. But you know, the, the conclusion of Solomon's life, it wasn't all down. And this is what I'm going to end with. It Solomon, I believe, at the end of his life, came back to God. Solomon wrote, wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. And in that book, he describes the journey of his life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks about how pursuit of money is vain, folly, shallow. Getting all the relationships <laughs> and hundreds of women. Pleasures come and go. It's vain, it's shallow, meaningless. All this hard work, all our endeavors, all our happiness, all our wealth, everything is vanity and meaningless. That's what he says in Ecclesiastes. Great book to read if you're uh, depressed. <laughs> but at the end of the book, that's the happy bit. Hey. He concludes in this way, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. The conclusion, when all has been heard is fear God, keep His <coughs> commandments Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment. Everything that's hidden, whether it's good or evil. Solomon, just before that in chapter 12, says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And I believe Solomon at the end of his life, just like the book of Ecclesiastes concludes, everything's meaningless without God. But you put God in the equation, your work, your relationships, your endeavors, Your hard work, your money, your focus, your vision, your dreams. Everything becomes meaningful. Without God, folks, you're like the creation trying to figure it out without the creator. It just doesn't make sense. There's a total big gap in your life. You know it. You know it. If you're honest with yourself, you humble yourself for a moment and say, he's right. It's so true. Every human being, there's a vacuum there without God. And Solomon at the end of his life, having pursued all these pleasures, all these highlights, all this money blew it but he came back to God and he said you know what it's all about him it's all about him now he had to live with the consequences of his mistakes as we see after his life there was civil war and things fell apart because of his stupidity but God did accept him back and he came he came back to God so we're left with a legacy Solomon's legacy someone I read this somewhere sir what is the secret to your success a reporter asks the bank's president he said two words And sir, what are they? He said, right decisions. And how do you make right decisions, said the reporter? One word, said the bank manager. And sir, what is that word? And he said, experience. And how do you get experience, said the reporter? And the bank manager said, two words. And sir, what are those two words? Wrong decisions. (laughs) Someone once said that any fool can learn from experience, but it takes a wise man to learn from instruction. And we have in the benefit of history and the benefit of the Bible the ability to learn in two ways from Solomon. We can learn from his stupidity by looking at his stupid experiences, and we gain wisdom just by learning from his mistakes. But secondly, we learn wisdom by instruction. The book of Proverbs that we're going to be studying over these evening services is full of great instruction for life. Wisdom that we can apply. Wisdom that makes Christianity totally practical. It helps you live it out every day of your life. Living in a way that honors God. Living in a way that's applying principles of success. Living in a way that will take you to a good place in life. We can learn from his experience, his stupid experience. We don't have to go through it. And we can learn from his instruction. So folks, let's be wise. Let's make a commitment to living wise lives. And not blowing it. And walking humbly and keeping close to our God. Let's pray. God, we we so thank you, Father, for the wisdom you gave Solomon. And thank you, God, it doesn't just benefit people in his generation thousands of years ago. But, God, it also benefits us today in this time-space world. God, thank you that the book of Proverbs is here for us. Thank you, God, it's got so many insights and wisdom for our lives that we can apply and I pray God over these next few months as we look at this book that God we will grow individually this church will grow corporately you'll give us wisdom for every challenge we face we'll walk humbly we'll walk strong gaining wisdom hungry to learn hungry to grow in you in Jesus name okay just take a moment make your own response before God just now if you feel challenged as I do by some of the, the verses we've been looking at and just before God just now he's here before God make a few decisions make a few commitments I guarantee to some of you here who have maybe at some point in the past had some sort of faith in God but you like Solomon have walked away from God do not let the conclusion of your life be that you walked away from God Come back to him today. It's foolishness trying to figure things out without him. Come back to him. You may blame him for stuff. He wasn't the one to blame. He's not the thief taking. He's the one who wants to give you abundant life. He's your answer. Come to him today. Put your faith in him. Come back to this faith. Commit your life. You know you're going to have to do it sooner or later. Why waste years? Come back to him today. Not in some half-hearted way. Give Him your everything. Maybe, you know, this is all new to you. and You think, you know what? I've never committed my life to God, but tonight I want to. And I have to tell you, it's not about becoming a member of this church. It's certainly not about becoming religious. It's simply about you as a human being coming to the point where you acknowledge this God in heaven who loves you. We sung about this earlier that God sent Jesus... Jesus died on a cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven. And he rose again the third day. The Bible says if you put your trust in him, if you make a commitment to follow God and turn away from your sinful ways and choose to follow him instead, the Bible says you're going to have a new star. So why not make a courageous decision today? Follow him. Put your trust in him. Live your life for him. It's the best way to live if that's you today and you know you need to commit your life to him then I invite you to pray this prayer of commitment with me just now what I'll do is I'll pray a a line of the prayer and invite you to repeat it quietly under your breath just between you and God pray dear Lord God thank you that you love me God you're the creator I am your creation Forgive me for living like you're not there. Forgive me for just trying to figure everything out and ignore you. God, I believe you love me. And I believe you love me so much you sent Jesus. Jesus, I believe you came. You lived, you died on the cross for me. You took all my sin and you paid the price for it. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me for all my sin. Forgive me for trying to live life without you. I come to you now, God. And today I make a commitment to follow you. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. I believe you're alive today. Jesus Christ, I make you the Lord of my life. Today, I pledge my allegiance to you. And from here on in, to the best of my ability, I'm going to follow you in good times and in bad times. And I will acknowledge you as the source of my eternal life and my blessing in this life. Amen. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. I would love to pray for anyone who just prayed that prayer just there. If you've prayed that prayer, you've just done a remarkable thing. And God, I have to tell you, has heard your prayer and he is delighted. He's so pleased. He's been longing for this day for a long time. So well done. I want to pray for you. If anyone prayed that prayer just there, while everyone else's eyes are closed, can you just indicate it to me? I'm not going to get you to stand up. I'm not going to call you to the front. But just where you are, if you prayed that prayer, Just raise your hand, let me know you did it. Anyone like that tonight? Thank you. Anyone else? Father, thanks for this precious individual. Tonight, they've made a decision, and they meant it. And God, what has taken place between you and them is significant. They have made a decision to follow you, Lord. And uh, that's a courageous thing to do. And I, God, I thank you that you've heard the prayer. As they have asked forgiveness for sin, the Bible promises that they are forgiven. That's great news. As they've put their f- faith in Jesus, the Bible promises that they now have eternal life. And that's fantastic news. I pray, God, they would know this hope, this joy. And that, God, you'd give them the courage to face every challenge and walk strongly with you in the days that lie ahead in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're just going to end uh, this evening just by worshiping God and just giving thanks to this great God in heaven.